0: Money starts right now live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Dan Nathan, Brian Kelly, Karen Feinerman, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, two big earnings movers tonight. Intel sinking. Starbucks jumping after their reports We're all over the conference calls We'll bring you the headlines as they break. And Intel's move comes after a massive rally for the chip stocks, the group having its best day since March of 2009. One technician says this is just the beginning of an even bigger breakout. He will be here to explain. But first, we start off with what lies beneath. It's been a relatively calm market as we rebound off the December lows, and companies seem to be holding up during earnings season. But it is what is lurking below the surface that could spell trouble ahead. First, the dollar breaking above a key level as global fears loom, plus the 10-year yield teetering at the level that's previously wreaked havoc on Wall Street. Finally, our old friend Dr. Copper under pressure, down 20% from highs uh, this year. So even as earnings roll on and volatility seems to be subsiding, are these actually signs that there is trouble ahead for the markets? What do you do, yes, guys? Yes, trouble ahead. Did yes, you see yes, the movie yes. Jaws? Did you
1: see it in the, in the movie theater when no. you were a kid? No. no. You did not? Really? No. I did. It's terrifying. <laughs> and the mar- this market to me is terrifying. And I'm sure, by, by the way, BK and Dan, they look like they just got right. out of Alcatraz.
2: Pop-
1: <laughs> I mean, you've got to see the outfits they have on. It's fantastic. With that said. Yes, I think there is trouble beneath. I think the reason why the market's are out is a couple reasons. The fact that we went down so quickly, clearly oversold conditions, but the fact that now market participants somehow think the Fed is no longer in play and they hold some sort of hope that there's going to be a deal done with the Chinese. I think the Fed is absolutely still in play, and I don't think there's going to be any deal with the Chinese of any magnitude anytime soon. So in my world, I think you absolutely see a retest of the December 24th low. So
3: I'm probably going to agree with my uh, prison mate over here, Mm -hmm. uh, with Guy, because look at what happened today, right? Today there were some really interesting things. You had the European economic news was horrible. France, Italy, European Union, PMIs were just terrible. Not only that, look at what happened to the dollar and gold. You saw the dollar rip higher. 96 on the dixie the dollar index we know that the dollar is the new vix that's a problem for equities not only that you said gold and the dollar rising together which tells me that people are buying gold because there's political instability so you name it you name whatever you want to call it political instability economic slowdown brexit it's a whole potpourri, but it's a problem for the market and you have to be
4: careful here
0: Papyri. Yes. Yeah.
3: Well, I think it's a smorgasbord as
0: well. Yes. Okay. I think there's I mean, something
4: for everyone here. I mean, you, can, you, you he's a bear. We've seen the bear suit many times. Yes. There's a lot of things holding up the bear suit, what you <laughs> said. Then I look at fundamental earnings. So something like URI, which to me is right in the heart of it. You know, it's almost entirely, not 100%, but almost entirely North America, mainly U.S. And they're telling you things are good. They are not seeing what the market is so afraid of. Their business is good. Their margins are good. I think the valuation is very good. And we're seeing several companies that say that. We're going to get to it later, but with airlines and others, we're seeing a lot of companies saying things are good, even with the shutdown, which everyone seems to think I do will be solved in the nearer term. Actually, I think there's there's stuff to like on a on a. On a specific basis, not a monolithic market, right? You can sure. find things where businesses are still really good. What what you don't like is when things go up too much. Yeah. And I, then I
5: mean, I, you know, let's move over to a cornucopia here of things that might <laughs> oh, nice. take us back down right. towards those prior lows. I mean, listen, you know, uh this morning on Squawking Friends, uh, Sorkin had a really good <laughs> interview with the workday CEO and founder, and they sell um, they sell, you know, SaaS software to enterprises and he was asked a question specifically if all this stuff globally is affecting their business yet are companies pushing out deals that they might do. He says it's a little too early to say, Mm -hmm. but we're getting very close to that. So really what I think is most important, if you want to focus on the consumer, they're still buying stuff. You know what Guy's going to say about that. That to me is a backward looking thing. I really care about enterprise spending because to me, that's what's really going to drive capex cycles. That's going to drive unemployment, that sort of thing. So if we don't have a resolution to our shutdown here, if we don't have a resolution to China trade, we continue to have the backdrop of weak European data and Asia data, then corporate spending is going to slow down and then we're going to have a real problem. Bringing it back to the market, I think it's really important to remember that every single time that we have had a downdraft, you know, dating back to 2015, the summer of 2015, first quarter of 2016, there's always been a retest of those pretty dramatic lows. And I'll just bring you back to January 2018. When we were on January 26th, the S&P 500 was up 7.5%. Okay. About 10 trading later days later, it was down 10%. Now I'm just telling you that we obviously tested that one again. There's no reason to think that we will not go back and test that 2400 level. And that's not all that bad. If it gets out a bunch of the tension, look at the snapback we've had. Yeah. The second time it goes down there, if everything's not as bad as it seems, you're likely to actually have a more constructive rally.
0: Into the poo-poo platter of uh, things. Oh so wow! wow. Well, nice. Pressure's on you, Target
4: board. <laughs> <laughs> poo-poo cornucopia. You, you mentioned so. yeah, business you spending.
0: Got? We don't. We will not get data on a lot of this because of the government shutdown. What we are going to get is anecdotes, anecdotes from corporate conference calls, anecdotes, even a string of anecdotes, That doesn't mean data. Well, right? I, That we, doesn't necessarily mean data. So we don't get a full picture anyway, which could add to the volatility of not knowing.
3: Right. I mean, obviously markets don't like that uncertainty. The anecdotes we heard this morning from Davos from almost every single CEO that was interviewed was if this shutdown and the China trade goes on longer than it already has, and we're literally getting within days. I mean, a lot of research has shown if if most workers go two weeks without or two paycheck cycles without pay, that's a big problem. That's tomorrow. So almost every single CEO, Chuck Robbins from Cisco, all of them saying it's starting to hurt. So this is what concerns me when you had a big rally doesn't doesn't mean that we have to fall apart. But we had a massive rally off the bottom, and nothing's changed.
1: In the first six minutes of the show, we've created somewhat negative. Wait Mastish.
4: for it. Oh, you.
1: Oh. Well, you. I have took that the one word. Line. I took the word right out of your mouth, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you, you, you took it away from me. I had Sorry. it was all building up, and you just. Because you're in my head.
0: Collage. Nah,
1: collage is All not right. nearly as good as no. pastiche. But BK will agree with this, and I happen to agree with it as well. Because I'm about to say it. The moves, the extent of the move we see in currencies, which are extraordinary, and bond markets globally in developed countries, not least of which are our own is disturbing. So, you could say the equity market doesn't care. I would submit an equity market with a 19 VIX given the backdrop of currency moves and bond moves should be more like a 25-30 VIX, which it, in my world means the market goes I'll down. I'll add
3: one more thing to the plethora of problems. Oh, Let's God. talk about European banks and guys Deutsche Bank. Lot of non-performing loans there. Lots of concern about the European banking system. So, again, for a market that's up off the lows, It's concerning. It's funny, you know. It seems
5: like a lot of volatility over the last year has obviously been trepidation about what the Fed's going to do or not going to do. When you think about it, you just said you think the Fed is very much still in play. I we have a chart. We have a couple charts of the 10-year. Look at this level. You know, when it went through 270 early, went straight almost to 250, and that's a level that people didn't think was going to happen for a very long time. Look at that. That goes back to the taper tantrum back in 2013, uh, 14, when the last time the 10-year was above 3%. You know, we got up there, and everyone thought this was going to be a rate. The tightening cycle that was going to go on for a bit because we had this economy that was working really well and they could do well together. Look at that. Look where it broke down. It broke down at the prior high and it broke down at the uptrend that had been in place from what people were saying was a generational low in rates. To me, if, the, if they start going lower, that's not going to be good for risk assets. I just can't if see a scenario. The Fed or they the they rates rates if rates, rates go lower. If that is a substantial resistance right there, and we go lower, we break the lows that we made last month or earlier this month. I just don't see that positive for equities, even though Is it a flight to
4: quality though? Is that what's happening uh, so, as opposed to a rate? You know, right, so this is where
3: typically be? I, I would say yes, but look at the, what happened to the staples today, right? The staples were the worst performing sector. Why were they the worst performing? Because they're heavily indebted. So but to me, that's another sign that market participants are starting to say lower rates are not necessarily a good thing. Lower rates are a signal of a weaker economy. Cash flows aren't going to be what they look like. Heavily indebted companies can have a problem. But it's at this point in the cycle,
5: right? So we just came off Fed funds is at two and a quarter percent after 10 years. You know, The last time the S&P topped out, Fed funds was above 5%. The time before that, back in 2000, it was above 6%. So here we are at two and a quarter, and all those names that they dreamed up back in 2000, 2012, 13, 14, for the next QE and this and that. Or whatever. Get ready, because it's going to be a pasties, a cornucopia, and whatever the <laughs> heck else you guys were saying, because that's what they're going to have a to poop do poop to keep this yes. stuff yeah. going.
1: Well, in China, it'll time be. Time out. Poop. Mel's calling a time out. Her mm. first and last. You
0: guys sound so bearish right now. If I were at home, I wouldn't know what uh, to do. Mm. No, seriously. You guys all are so negative on the market right am so, you know, not are, selling. You, yeah. you are seeing the... the I see the brighter side of things. I mean, I'm, you know. But all the rest of you, Listen, totally... listen, if you told me,
5: Mel, in yeah. one month that we were going to have a substantive trade deal with, uh, with China and then we're going to have the shutdown fixed, no, you would have a scenario where you would start to discount some of the weak data that we've seen and you'd say it was co- coincident to some of the things, okay. and then you would have a significant rally in the market. You'd have people start thinking that we are going to have a two and a half, three percent 3% GDP second half of 2019, and you'd buy equities into that.
1: The but as long quickly, as we have
0: this going on, as I long as we, we have the shutdown going on,
1: And look, Wilbur Ross, say what you want, but Wilbur Ross made some pretty ridiculous comments today, but I think he spoke the truth when he said... The U.S. and China were miles and miles apart in terms of getting a deal done. Larry Kudlow walked that back because that's what this administration does. But I think that his instincts, his being Wilbur Ross's, were correct. I do think we're miles and miles away, which means I don't think the market goes up anytime soon. But, you know, it would be great to have somebody that's been in the market for decades, (laughs) that's really seen markets like this before, to be able to drill down in a meaningful way. I wish we had somebody like that. Hmm.
0: Actually, we do. Uh, Trade fears hang heavy on Wall Street. And Commerce Secretary, this guy mentioned, adding to worries earlier today during an interview right here on CNBC.
3: We're miles and miles from getting a resolution. And frankly, that shouldn't be too surprising. Trade is very complicated. There are lots and lots of issues, not just how many soybeans and how much LNG, but even more importantly, structural reforms, that we really think are needed
0: our next guest disagrees says the trade war drama could be resolved this quarter for more let's bring in Art Hogan chief market strategist at National Securities who apparently has been in the markets for decades and decades and decades <laughs> do you have an inside source in Beijing art how do you know that this could be resolved this quarter
2: no i think it's much more of a common sense when you think about well let's let's step it back to with uh, secretary ross had to say, Wilbur Ross came out and said we're miles away because we've moved the goalpost. We started the trade war because we thought there was a trade imbalance with China, and that's already taken care of. China's already made an offer that would make that go away. So, moving the goalpost to wrecking Made in China 2025 is a different goal. So, that's the structural part of what he's talking about. We'd really like to see as fairer trade and less IP theft, and that's going to be more difficult. But to think we're going to end this quarter and the truce that we have for 90 days and not have constructive conversation, at least say, we're not escalating from here and we're actually on a concrete path to getting this accomplished is, I think, a major step. Barring that, let's say we, we, we end this 90-day period, we end the first quarter and we escalate. We, we raise tariffs. That's going to be a disaster. And Everything you said today is probably not bearish enough. But I get the sense that it's an administration that uses this market as a scorecard for its job. And I think by the end of this quarter, they want something accomplished. They want some good news on trade and they can do it. They, you know They've created this they can make it go away.
0: So when you say resolved, do you mean, I mean, is it just a a truce and and we'll talk more, a truce on the terrorists? Because I would say that unless you say, we are not going to put any terror, we're going to take back the terrorists, even a truce is uncertainty. It's still uncertainty right. that causes businesses to delay whatever purchases they're going to make.
3: Well, look
2: at the spectrum of concern, right? So the best case scenario is we actually fix all of our problems by the end of the quarter. They, the, the China decides that they're not going to steal intellectual property anymore. There's structural changes in China and they're going to wreck a program they've been working on it for a decade to have 40 percent of the content of Chinese manufacturing by the end of next year come from China and 70 percent by 2025. They're going to walk Excuse that Excuse
0: me, Art, we've got breaking news. Uh, President Trump is speaking about the government shutdown let's take a listen thank
6: you Very much I appreciate it thank, thank you well one of the ideas suggested is they open it they pay a sort of a, a prorated down payment for the wall which I think people will agree that you need you need the wall. in fact I see a lot of the Democrats are all almost all of them are breaking saying look walls are good walls are good big difference from what you had two or three weeks ago And uh, the vote, we had the vote on our bill, which we won 50 to 47. That was our bill. But we got one Democrat. It was 50 to 47. And we need, as you know, we have to get 60. We don't have 60 votes, so we need Democrat support. We didn't get Democrat support other than uh, from a actually wonderful man, as you know, Senator Manchin. And uh, who's doing the right thing for his people? I mean, he's doing the right thing for West Virginia, frankly. And uh, the other bill, was 5244, and that included a lot of uh, hurricane relief for a lot of different states. So it's sort of uh, not something some of them really voted for the hurricane relief, which they felt they needed. That was 5244. But you need 60, so that didn't go anywhere. So we knew they both were uh, not going to go anywhere, we thought. And now Mitch is negotiating with uh, Chuck Schumer, And we'll see what happens. I think they just left the meeting. They just had a meeting. I think they're going out to see their people, but they just left. So we had two bills. I think we did very well. The Republicans held except for two. The Republicans held. Two were not there. They couldn't, they weren't able to be there. So there were two non-votes. But even with two non-votes, I think they would have been good votes for us. It's 50 to 47. We won. But we need 60 votes because of the 60-vote rule. And so... uh, I just really want to thank the Republicans for holding. Uh, again, on the other one, that was the opening up. That's 52-44, but you need 60 votes, so it's a long way short. And a lot of that, a lot of those votes were based on the fact that uh, there was hurricane relief for certain states. But well, would you want know, <laughs> to be to temporary spending without money for the wall? Would just, you just to reopen the well, wall? Well, I wouldn't be wall happy wall with it. I wouldn't be happy. But we have a lot of alternatives. Honestly, we have everybody. Look, for the most part, people agree when I say everybody. Uh, I would say almost everybody agree, we have to have border security. We have to have a wall in order to have border security. You cannot have border security without a wall. I mean, we can play games and we can talk about technology, we can talk about drones flying around. You know, right now, formed is an 8,000 person uh, caravan. And the caravan is heading our way, congratulations, we have another one. We stopped the first one, we stopped the second one. Uh, I wouldn't say that Tijuana is too happy. But they're happily living in Tijuana right now. And a lot of them have gone back. But we stopped them, but it's very tough. And if we didn't have a wall in those areas, it would have been very hard to stop them. We have the military and we have the Border Patrol. They've done an incredible job. And ICE has done an incredible job all over the country, frankly. Uh, We've removed thousands of MS-13 and others out of our country. But if we had a wall, we wouldn't have that problem. It would be great. So uh, we have a lot of alternatives. But I'm just honored that uh, almost all of the Republicans voted for our bill. Our bill is the bill that we were really focused on. But we had almost all of the Republicans, so the end result was 50 to 47. Uh, the Democrats lost one uh, that came over to our side. So they pretty much held, and we held. And again, we were missing two Republicans. They couldn't vote. They were not here. Well, I I have to find out after this meeting, we'll find out. But right now, uh, Mitch McConnell's meeting with Chuck Schumer and see if they'll have to see what happens. uh, They're meeting to see if they can work out something, maybe on a temporary basis where we start. But I have, you know, we have a lot of alternatives. There are a lot of people that want this to happen. I'll tell you who wants this to happen. The military wants this to happen because this is a virtual invasion of our country, of drugs, of human traffickers, of so many different things, of criminals. It's an invasion of our country. And the military wants this to happen, and the Border Patrol wants this to happen. And by the way, Border Patrol said all of the drones flying up in the air, having a lot of fun flying drones all over the place, they don't mean a thing when they look down and they see thousands of people rushing our border. The only thing that works is a strong barrier or wall. Have you talked to Nancy Pelosi? I have not. I haven't spoken to Nancy Pelosi, no. No. But I'm here, you know. I haven't left except for a beautiful evening in Iraq. I've been here for a, I've been here for a long time. Mr. President, you see, Wilbur Ross said that he doesn't understand why federal workers need help getting food. Can you understand? No, why? I haven't. I haven't heard the statement, but I, I do understand. That perhaps he should have said it differently. Uh, local people know who they are when they for, go for groceries and everything else, and I think what Wilbur is probably trying to say is that uh, they will. Work along. I know banks are working along. If, if uh, you have mortgages, the mortgagees, the mortgage, uh, the folks collecting the interest and all of those things, they work along. And that's what happens in time like this. They know the people. They've been dealing with them for years, and they work along. The grocery store, uh, and I think that's probably what Wilbur Ross uh, meant, but I haven't seen his statement, now. But he's done a great job, I will tell you that. Yes? Well,
1: well, I just want to know, aren't you worried to leave the American diplomats
4: behind?
6: Well, we're looking at Venezuela. It's a very sad situation. Uh, That was the richest state in all of that area. That's a big, beautiful area, and by far the richest. And now it's uh, one of the poorest places in the world. That's what socialism gets you, when they want to raise your taxes to 70%. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I've been watching our opponents, our future opponents, talking about 70%. Number one, they can't do it for 70%. It's got to be probably twice that number. But Maybe more importantly, what happens is you really have to study and take a look at what's happened to Venezuela. That's right. It is a very, very sad situation. So uh, we have our eye very closely on Venezuela, very closely. And, Mr. President, if, if Mitch
4: McConnell and Chuck Schumer can come to some sort of agreement, will you support the results What Well,
6: it depends what the agreement is. I mean, yeah, but if they come to a reasonable agreement, I would support it. Yeah. Even if it
2: has no wall money?
7: Or does it have to have
6: wall uh, I, money? I only, look, look. I have other alternatives if I have to, and I'll use those alternatives if I have to. Yeah, right. We want to go through the system. Uh, we have to have a wall in this country. We have criminals pouring into our country. And I'm not talking about the southern border. They don't stay there. They go through They permeate all throughout the country, including places like Wisconsin, a lot of, a lot of different places. And um, that's the problem. I say that we would cut... Our crime, you know, we're doing very well on crime rate compared to past years and past <coughs> administrations. But I think our crime rate would go way down. And I know our drug rates, our drug, what, what's happening is the drugs are pouring in. And yes, they come through the ports of entry, but the big trucks come through areas where you don't have a wall and you have wide open spaces. We have to have the wall. You'd stop drugs. You'd stop human trafficking. I mean, human trafficking, where they tie up women and they put duct tape on their mouths, and they put them in the back seat of a car or in a van. They don't come through a port of entry because the people at the port of entry are gonna see that. That's not like hiding drugs in the engine or in the hubcaps, and they have incredible ingenious ideas. I mean, frankly, I've said some of these people are so genius. If they were ever legit, they'd become um, very rich people. But what they do is they go through the ports of entry with small stuff, but the big stuff comes through Areas where you have nobody watching. I mean, you have hundreds of miles of open space and they go out there and they're loaded up with drugs or they have women in the backseat of the cars with duct tape all over the place. It's a disgrace. And you don't catch them. They make a You don't even know the difference between Mexico and the United States. They make a left turn after they go out 20 miles, 40 miles, five miles in some cases and less. They make a left turn. they're in the United States, and then they do whatever they have to do. You need the wall. And we can all play games, and we can all talk about technology. I know more about technology than anybody. If you don't have the wall, the technology doesn't work. First of all, the wall is based on, I mean, it's all based. Any technology works only with the wall. Not gonna work otherwise. You need the wall. In fact, a lot of the technology is put on top of the wall. That's how you see it, the cameras and everything else. I mean. They literally put the technology, they fasten it to the wall. Then you have drone technology, and that's great in terms of what are you going to do? You're going to follow the people? First of all, once they step into the country, you know what happens, right? You know what they do. It's called, what do they call it, you know? They, they put one foot in our country, right? And we got them. That's it. So the drones don't help us. We have to keep it out. We, ha- we have no choice but to have a wall or a barrier. And if we don't have that, it's just not going to work. So it's very important to me. All right, one more question. What's
4: your message to federal workers who are missing another paycheck this week?
6: I love them. I respect them. I really appreciate the great job they're doing. Uh, They, you know, many of those people that are not getting paid are totally in favor of what we're doing because they know the future of this country is dependent on having a strong border, especially a strong southern border because we have tremendous violence and crime coming through that border. We have tremendous drugs. We have the human trafficking. We have MS-13 and gangs pouring through those borders. And if we don't strengthen those borders, we're going to have a big problem in the future. One of the people I blame is myself, because the economy is so strong right now, stronger than ever before. Today, today, right now, we have more people working in the United States than has ever worked in this country before. That's a great compliment. So I blame myself, okay? But the fact is, people come up because our country is doing so well, and they want to break through our borders. The fact is, we want them to come up. We have a big... We took in more people last year, legally, than we have in a long time. Because we need them, because we have a lot of of companies are coming into our country. So we need people coming in. I want people to come in, but they have to come in legally, and they have to come in through merit. They have to be able to help companies, and if they don't help companies, and if they don't help our country, uh, we can't do that, folks. We just can't do that, right? Why did you decide to agree to Nancy Pelosi there? Well, it's really her choice. I mean, I would have done it in a different location, but I think that would be very disrespectful to the State of the Union, to pick some other place. I could have done it. I could have gone to a big auditorium and gotten 25,000 people in one day, and you've been there many times. Uh, But I think that would be very disrespectful to the State of the Union. So uh, what she said I thought was actually reasonable. Uh, We'll have the State of the Union when the shutdown is over.
3: Where do you think that's going to be?
6: That I can't tell you. That I can't tell you, but we have a lot of alternatives, but we need border security. Okay, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've been listening
0: to President Trump Trump. speaking to reporters from the White House just moments ago. Uh, For more, let's bring in Eamon Jabbers at the White House, who is there. Eamon, certainly a wide-ranging discussion about everything from trade to the government shutdown.
7: Yeah, Melissa, that's right. And a striking tone there from the president of the United States regarding Nancy Pelosi right at the end, uh, striking a very respectful, almost deferential tone toward the Speaker of the House after that dust up earlier in the week of whether or not uh, he would be permitted to give the State of the Union on Tuesday night in the House chamber. Nancy Pelosi says, no, uh, we're not going to do the State of the Union until after the government shutdown is over. And the president said it was very reasonable what she she suggested after uh, the tussle back and forth throughout the week of whether or not that would happen. So an interesting posture here by the president, perhaps indicating uh, he might be in a more of a deal making mindset going in. But you heard the president there, Melissa, continue to hammer away on the idea that the United States, as he feels, needs a wall on the southern border to keep out drugs and crime. Uh, not signaling any wiggle room on that front, Melissa.
0: Yeah, and, and the latest in terms of what the president has said, Eamon, is that um, Senator McConnell, Senators McConnell and Schumer, they are meeting as we speak?
7: That's right. Um, and so what the, we got from the White House press office just before this comment from the president uh, was a note from Sarah Sanders who says that uh, they won't agree on any CR, continuing resolution that would keep the government up and running for a limited period of time, unless it's got a substantial down payment on border wall funding. So the question is, what is a substantial down payment? Uh, It looks like the White House is signaling that they're willing to back off the border wall itself uh, in order to get a short-term deal done to reopen the government, at least uh, if they can get what they're calling a down payment on the wall. And the the devil's in the details on what a down payment actually looks like in congressional terms.
0: Or substantial, too. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Thank you. Eamon Jabbers, live from the White House for us tonight. Are we any closer? Guy, do you think when you read between the lines? No,
1: I I don't believe so. I mean, it's I find it interesting. Well, I I find it interesting that the president thinks that grocery stores will take IOUs from people. I mean, you know that might have happened in Mayberry back in the day. It's it's not happening in my town, but I digress. So, no, I don't think we're any closer.
4: I think we are closer. I think Schumer meeting with McConnell is progress. I think it should be possible for those two to get a deal done. He seems to be a little bit more conciliatory on the amount for the wall. He just need everybody needs to save face.
0: Right. He, he left there, a, a, little a little bit of wiggle room I there think, when yes. he says substantial down payment. He backed away from right. the total sum on the right. wall, and that may be yeah. perceived if you're in a good mood as optimistic. I <laughs> leave
5: that, um, A, dumber than 15 minutes ago. But but the other point I would just say is that I'd be very surprised if there's another paycheck that gets lapsed and this government is still shut down and these workers are not getting paid, because I think it does damage to both sides, and I think it needs to get
3: reopened. Yeah, I don't think we get close until the stock market goes back and tests the lows again is the stock market president that's the only thing that motivates it You know, once bitten twice shy every single time he comes out and says something cons- conciliatory the very next day we have some outrageous statement
0: so I, I don't
3: feel like we're any closer
0: coming up check out shares of intel after hours getting crushed after turning report, and this after a day when chip stage a massive rally a top technician will tell us what that could mean for the group plus It could be a make or break moment for another Dow stock reporting earnings next week. We'll tell you the name and why there's so much at stake. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Intel. The stock getting crushed after reporting earnings moments ago. That conference call is underway right now. The stock is down 7 percent. Josh Lipton's in San Francisco with the details. Josh.
8: So Melissa, quickly checked in with a couple analysts who cover the name just to get their take. Susquehanna's Chris Rowland. Uh, listen, obviously he talked about the business unit, CCG, uh, chips for PCs, modems, $9.8 billion. That was weaker than expected. Company called out weakening modem demand. Of course, we know Apple's a customer there. DCG revenue, so chips for servers, $6.1 billion. That was also weaker than expected. In part, they are cloud customers not spending as much. I asked Rowland why he remains a bull at this point. He said, listen, they are still a leader in the data center and growing opportunities in memory and networking markets. Also caught up with Ruben Roy from MKM. He thought Intel was likely leaning on the side of conservatism as they did in 2018. He acknowledges that he did expect higher revenue guide for the full year. On a positive note, he said Intel is guiding operating margin to 34% for the year. Uh, CFO Bob Swan, Melissa, interim CEO as well, he is leading this call. Start off by talking about strong cloud demand, uh, PC market stabilizing, they gain share in modem, though he also acknowledged, listen, there are some challenges as well take a listen to that we expected
6: a stronger finish fourth quarter revenue of 18.7 billion was up nine percent but short of our expectations as a result of a dramatically weakening modem demand lower overall growth in China cloud service providers absorbing capacity and a weakening NAND pricing environment
8: uh, Bob Swan actually started off the call, Melissa, with a question obviously a lot of investors have. Who's going to uh, have this job permanently? It's been seven months since Brian Krasanich resigned. Uh, Bob Swan simply saying the board continues to evaluate candidates and proceeding, he said, with urgency. For more on this, uh, Bob Swan is going to be on CNBC tomorrow talking about all these issues. and I'm sure a lot more. So be sure to tune in for that interview. Melissa, back to you.
0: Uh, when Bob uses the word dramatically slowing, uh, Josh, are you getting a sense as to what is behind that? Is it, is it, what, is it the trade war? Is it volatility in the markets? I mean, what's, what's driving this sort of drop off that they saw?
8: Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, listen, there are some specific issues, and you heard him rattle mm-hmm. off there. Yeah. Um, but he did say that uh, trade, uh, trade issues, uh, weakened economy in, in China were um, uh, perhaps uh, getting worse, more pressure there than they initially forecast. And that was having, as he said, trade and macro concerns, especially in China, his words, have intensified. Um, so that perhaps uh, getting showing some light here on their forecast Mel.
0: All right, Josh, thank you. Josh Lifton bringing us up to date on Intel, which is again down about 7% right now. Dan, what do you make of this? Yeah,
5: I mean, it kind of connected to that comment that we made about Workday and the enterprise environment, you know, in the A block here. So if if corporations are seeing, don't have a lot of visibility, then they're not going to be ordering much. And we also know, you know, uh, Josh mentioned a couple of times modems. We know those go into smartphones. China, they did talk about, they did, Swan did mention um, the impact of geopolitical situations. So... With the lack of visibility, you know, um, markets can turn on a dime. Orders can turn on a dime. Um, stocks can turn on a dime. Economies don't turn on a dime. Do you know what I'm saying? So this is going to take itself some time to work through. And here's a cheap stock that a lot of people, myself, some other people on this desk, wanted to kind of get behind into 2019. They just lowered guidance for the quarter we're in by 7.5% on sales. And that's why the stock's down 6.5% and it should be down 6.5%.
4: Well, is any part of it, though, today was sort of I mean, obviously, the space went nuts, right? And so,
5: okay, so Xilinx that has $3 billion in annual sales was up 18%. And Intel that has $70 billion in annual sales is down 6%. I'd rather probably go with their outlook for 2019 than what Intel or Xilinx had to say. That wasn't my question. Oh. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but uh, you're saying all the chips
4: rallied yes. big and so it was part of this getting so back so part of, of this gains right if they today, had announced that Western Digital we also see right they're down a little from but but they didn't give back all of their gains for today on I guess a little disappointing earnings if either of those had announced these earnings a week ago let's say do you where do you think the stock would be
5: these stocks? I mean, listening. I think it's a, you can look around. I mean, like, look at, look at LRCX, uh, Lamb Research was up, uh, you know, 10, 12 or some percent. It's still down 30% from its 52 week highs. Xilinx made a new all time high. I think Xilinx is on a short list of companies that will be bought too. So, you know, I, I think it's really different pockets here.
1: Sounds like Dan watched a power pitch a few <laughs> weeks ago about silence. Oh, you silent? Really? No, it's interesting. So, quickly, people, Western Digital, Karen, mentioned, and you're right, it was up 6.5% or so today. It's given back maybe a third of that. But you talk about you want to see what happens when a company gets or business gets commoditized. Take a look at a Western Digital chart over the last basically 15 or 16 months. That's what's going on. Now, people will point to valuation, and they've pointed to that for the last 25 or $30. Valuation doesn't matter when basically your average selling prices continue to go down. That's what's happening in WDC. In terms of Intel, not only did they lower revenue, they lowered EPS guidance by about 13%. So I think this move to the downside is probably justified.
0: In contrast to Intel's fallout after hours, chip stocks staging their best day since 2009. Today in the regular session, our next guest says there is one stock to play for an even bigger breakout. Let's get off the charts with Ari Wald, head of technical analysis at Oppenheimer. he's over at the Plasma. Hey, Ari.
9: Hey, uh, let's start with Intel. First off, you know, the big drop after hours. Uh, This puts the stock below its 50-day moving average tomorrow morning. Keep an eye on 47.50, the stock, as it stands now, should open below there. If uh, you know it, we could stage some sort of a rebound above there, then you have a little bit of a silver lining for the bull case, but I think it's too early to really jump ahead of it uh, as, as it stands in the charts, and here's why. Uh, let's start with a, a bigger picture view of Intel uh, going back uh, about a year now. What's interesting to us is where this selling took place right at $51. This has been the key resistance level uh, since August now. Uh, So as we sell off here, it looks like there's gonna be some additional backing and filling needed. Here's the positive spin. This stock's already in its basing process. This stock made a higher low when the rest of the market was in free fall in December. So I wouldn't get too downbeat either. I just think there's some additional backing and filling needed before it could start moving higher again. And that's really the case for semis overall. Looking at the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, this is the great uh, leading indicator of the market, I think, as it stands right now. We'd really like to see this start to move higher and see additional strength from what we saw today. Here's an index that peaked ahead of the market. It peaked back in the first quarter of 2018, really started to top out ahead of the market and broke down before it. Now it's corrected, and and I think where it's starting to base here is important. This is an important retracement level of its bull market dating back to to 2016. It's a 38.2 retracement. There's also some support here from last year. So still have to deal with the 200-day moving average, more work needed, but some incremental uh, strength here, some less bad selling, it's a start. I still wanna be selective. Here's this chart that stands out for us. While the entire semi-index is below its 200-day moving average, Advanced Micro, above a rising 200-day moving average. It didn't have the same topping process as semis overall. It had the big breakout above multi-year resistance dating back to its 27 highs. Typically, resistance becomes support. We're seeing a double bottom there. Uh, I think this is how you want to play it. This is relative strength. We like leadership. AMD, best of a mixed semiconductor industry.
0: So, Ari, when you said that semis uh, seem to be a leading indicator to the market, does that mean mean you think the market's going to go lower?
9: I think the market's in in a basing period here. And and speaking for semis, I I think improvement in semis will lead to improvement in technology, and that's going to lead to improvement for the market overall. Uh, I think that should play out through the course of the year. We're of the view that the market is currently basing. Now, after this oversold bounce, I agree there should be some retracement here. We might not have to make it all the way back down to the December low, but at least a higher low for the S&P. As this price consolidation plays out in the first half of the year, I expect selling to get less bad. I expect cyclical uh, sectors like semis to start to show improvement. And then I think we can see a new bull market come the second half of the year.
0: All right, Ari. Thank you. Good to see you, Ari Wald of Oppenheimer. Um, AMD is an interesting name. It, it's a stock that had benefited from Intel sort of being caught flat-footed when there was a turnaround in PCs last year, unexpectedly. Right.
3: No, AMD's, AMD has done relatively quite well. And you look at the chart. I agree with Ari. Bounced right off the two hundred week or two hundred day moving average. Uh, so you know, assuming if you think the market's going higher, this is probably not a bad place to be. My concern is when you listen to what happened, what Intel is saying. Almost every single company out there has said something happened at the end of the year. We expected a stronger finish. Something happened to the global economy in December, and that concerns me about all stocks.
1: We look for tell. So tomorrow, I think tomorrow you might get an interesting tell with AMD specifically. So if AMD manages to close flat, you know, to slightly higher tomorrow, given what Intel just said, I think AMD and their earnings to Ari's point and to Case point on the 29th, I believe, the report looks really interesting. If they can shrug off this Intel news, They'll be saying, you know what, we've sort of moved away from what Intel does, and now we're the best in breed.
0: All right, let's get a check on our other earnings movers uh, as we had to break here. Starbucks shares, uh, those shares are up 1.8%. The call is underway. We'll hear from the CEO in just a few minutes. Plus, Square on a tear. That suck up 7% today, nearly 50% in the last month. Are any of the traders buying this breakout? Find out when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Starbucks. It is wrapping up the earnings call. The stock is rallying after hours. Kate Rogers back at headquarters to tell us what CEO Kevin Johnson had to say. Hey, Kate. Hey there, Melissa. The coffee giant out with beats on the
7: top and bottom lines for Q1. Same store sales increasing by 4% globally, also 4% in the U.S. for the second quarter in a row, and 1% in the very important market of China. CEO Kevin Johnson said the company continues to execute on its strategic priorities. Take a listen.
1: We shared with you our strategy to streamline the business, drive growth in the key markets of US and China, expand our global reach through the Global Coffee Alliance while simultaneously returning significant capital to our shareholders. This strategy is working as evidenced by our Q1 results and we remain confident in the longer term outlook for the business.
7: Johnson also said on China, the company will continue to learn and adapt as it creates a broader coffee culture, expands its presence in new and existing cities there. And as you can see right now, the stock is higher by around 2 percent. Guys, back over to you.
0: So just quickly, Kate, has the company basically put to bed concerns about the slowdown in China?
7: Yeah, that's what we seem to be hearing. I also yeah. got had a quick phone call with John Culver, the group I- president for International. He says, you know, we've proved that we're able to perform in this rapidly evolving, you know, consumer and retail environment. So they don't seem to be pulling
0: back on any plans or expressing any concerns right now, Melissa. All right, Kate, thank you. Kate Rogers back at headquarters on Starbucks here. You like it? I,
3: actually, yeah. I mean, you've had about a two or three year kind of basing period or, or consolidation period that we've broken out. We were concerned when... And uh, Schultz left that maybe perhaps the company wasn't going to be able to grow and adapt like they are. But the fact that they're saying they're seeing some growth in China, the fact that they're seeing that they're seeing some growth in the rest of the com- uh, company, I-, I actually do like it quite a bit here.
5: Yeah. I mean, given those comps here in the U.S. and if they're not as downbeat as you might expect them to about China, then this is obviously one that should be a slingshot on the way back up, especially how it's shown great relative strength over the last few months with market volatility here. It's
4: not like it's super cheap, though, right? I mean, it should have a premium multiple, does have a premium multiple. I don't know. I mean, it's a great company, but it's not overly. It's fine. I think it's just fine. It's multiple is a little high. There's yield. That's not enough to make me want to. But it's okay.
1: Yeah, it'll run into trouble. The all-time high was 70-ish, and obviously it reminds me a lot of what's going on with Nike, by the way. sold off, coming back now in the face of a lot of bad news. But to your point about comps, global comps up 4% when the street was looking for up 2.9 with margins hanging in there. It's a pretty good story. So maybe it does take another run at that 70 level that BK is talking about.
0: All right, quick programming note here. Kevin Johnson, the CEO of Starbucks, will join Squawk on the Street tomorrow to discuss the quarter that happens at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, industrial is one of the best performing sectors this year, up nearly 15% in the last month. Is there an even bigger rally in store as the group gears up for earnings next week? Plus, payment stocks paying up and soaring double digits this January. We'll tell you how much higher they could go. Much more fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Square surging today after incident analyst Dan Dolliv reiterated a buy rating on the stock pointing to a new growth opportunity following the launch of Square's new small business debit card. He also noted it was another step in the right direction as Square continues to disrupt the big banks. The stock is now up a whopping 46 percent from December lows. Does it have more room to run? What do you think, Karen.
4: Well, it's a great company, right? They're very innovative. We think of them just for the Square, but it's so much more than that. It's all the software it's Square Capital. I mean, things like this, very innovative. However, mid-teen times revenue, revenue, a lot has to go really, really, really right for them to grow into what, what's already being factored in. So I, I wouldn't buy it on this. It was, it shouldn't have been at 100 when it uh-huh. was, so it did, des- didn't deserve to be there. I think this is just too expensive here. Great company, but... It kind of feels
5: like no matter when you would have bought it in the last two years, if you bought into the fundamental thesis, it's the same thing. (laughs) At some point, you're probably just going to have to kind of hold your nose and do it because they are disrupting so many parts of financial services. And I just don't think it's going to be an independent company for that long because they're moving from small, medium sized business up and they're adding more and more stuff. They just added they installments. Now. They, well, they do have a lot of competition, but I think that they're just really firmly entrenched in a certain segment of the market that's been underserved by big banks.
3: Yeah, I mean, they, they found a niche, right? I mean, and they're exploiting it. And to me, it's kind of the classic Silicon Valley mentality at the top with Jack running it that's saying we're disrupting, we're disrupting, disrupting, and you tend to ignore the fundamentals. At some point, the fundamentals will matter. It'll be too expensive and all of that. It just doesn't seem like today.
1: You know what you could buy for half the valuation, which is on the verge of making an all-time high. The reports on January thirtieth that Dan Nathan has done some always on anybody. anybody's no PayPal. Mm-hmm. It's twice uh, tonight. That's twice tonight. I've that, gotten in your head. We've gotten in your Ooh. head. That that we've gotten Maybe got to talk faster. Right. But PayPal is correct. And if you right. look at the move that that stock's seen into earnings, maybe
5: that's a better play. I, I want to make one point. You just said that about to make a new all-time high. We talked about Workday that made a new all-time high, and we talked about Xilinx. I don't think you can discount stories like that in this sort of market where so many stocks are below their 200-day moving average that are in downtrends, that are so, so far from their own. strength. What I'm saying is, is that you look for those prior breakout levels, and that's where you buy these stocks when you get them. You don't buy Xilinx on a day like today, but you probably buy it when Guy does a pass- Pitch, or whatever the heck it is Power two pitch. weeks ago. yeah.
0: Fast pitch, yeah. thank you. Power pitch. Still ahead, next week is the busiest week for earnings and it could be make or break. For one Dow stock, we will explain and let's take a check on our Kramer cam and there's Jim. There's Jim talking to URI, United Rentals Come after on. that stock soared today. Karen was just talking about them. Catch that interview at the top of the hour. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Caterpillar kicking off Industrials earnings next week, a stock trying to dig itself out of a rough 2018. Options traders are betting that Cat's fourth quarter numbers will spark a pretty big move, but could it be a good move? Dan's over at the Plasma to break down the action, Dan
5: kind of important one now we get the week started off with their commentary obviously there's been some volatility around their guidance over the last year or so but the options market is implying about a five percent move in either direction which is just slightly rich to the average over the last four quarters that's been about um four percent you know here's one This company obviously gets about 60 percent of their sales outside the U.S. We know that the dollar has been very firm and it looks like possibly um, set for a breakout. Um, You know, that would be an adverse um, headwind for Cat. Obviously, global growth, a big concern. What did Intel just tell us? There's concerns about global growth as it relates to the situation with China. Look at this stock. It's been in a very, very well-defined um, downtrend all the way from its 2018 um, and 18 highs. It's down about 15% from that. It's had a nice 14% bounce off the lows. I think that was like the average move that most stocks in the S&P 500 have, but it's right here. It's banging up against some technical resistance. I'm no Ari Wald here, but that's what it looks like to me. I think the most important chart, if you're looking at this thing and trying to figure out where it goes next here, look at the five-year chart. This was a massive breakout in 2017 after a very long break and then the thing doubled. Okay, so here's that well-defined downtrend. Here we are at the resistance. We know it's got um support down there at the breakout level. To me, this one looks a bit challenged. It's gonna take a very big beat and raise with just commentary that is unexpected to get this thing breaking out to the upside, in my opinion. I suspect a lot of stocks like this, if they just give OK guidance and OK results that they're going to consolidate a little bit. And if they get uh, a guy down, you're going to be uh, shooting first and asking questions later.
0: Pete just power pitched it. Now you got me saying it. Fast pitched it <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. You weren't here. Would you have voted for it? I mean, given what Dan is saying. No, and-
3: no. I, okay. I I agree with my cellmate in this one. I would sell this yeah. one. All right.
0: For yeah. Auctions Action, check out the full show tomorrow, 530 p.m. Eastern Time. Final Trades up next. trade, Stan.
5: Yeah, so if we're weighing Xilinx today and Texan and Intel tonight, um, I'm going with Intel. I think you sell the SMH here.
0: Brian Kelly. Yeah, BK is
3: always looking for things that make you go, hmm? Today, the action in gold, it held up while the dollar was rallying. Something's going on. You buy GLD. Chairwoman. Yes, you are I love what they had
4: to say today. I don't like to buy things up 7 or $8. You can wait a little, but I think there's value in your buy
0: below $1.
1: Keith. Yeah, Andy Dufresne over there on the hook notwithstanding, <laughs> AMD is going to be positive tomorrow. Just telling you.
0: All right, that does it for us. See you back here tomorrow at 5. Bad Money starts right now.